Who would you be if you were born under different circumstances than you are today? And what would you achieve? If you can just imagine yourself as a different person who is more capable of achieving everything you ever dream of. Today's guest has a fascinating story to tell about how he has already done many things, many amazing things that people usually dream of, all being under circumstances that many would call unfortunate. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here and it's time to make your quantum leap. Today, my guest is Maxwell Ivy, who is also known as the Blind Blogger. And he joins me to tell the story of how he went from failed carnival owner to successful author, blogger, podcaster and influencer. He speaks about how he overcame his obstacles and kept going and how he continued to take on new difficult and scary challenges and opportunities. So Max, how does it feel when people give excuses to why they can't do something or why they can't change things in their life? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked the question that way, because for the most part, I don't hear about too many people's excuses because generally what I hear is people tell me that because they've known me and become exposed to me, that they have stopped making excuses. They ask themselves, if he can show up and continue to do the work, then why am I complaining about being tired or being cold or, or having to work, you know, at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night because I have a job? Most people that I hear from, it's like, Max, you have challenged me to eliminate my excuses and find ways to move forward and take action. Well, why do you think that people who don't know you and who don't know where you come from and what your background is, why do you think that people usually give reasons for why things are not different in their life? Well, I don't exactly know why people give excuses or reasons. I mean, the obvious thing is, is that they've tried and failed or that they haven't had the courage to try and they're continuing to live in existence rather than going after a big dream or a goal. And making excuses is a way of letting themselves off the hook and making themselves feel better about where they are at this current point in time. I want to actually just get everyone up to speed and just take a few steps back and to give a bit of an idea about where you come from. And so I want to ask you, what is your background? And basically, like in summary, how are you here? How are you doing what you're doing right now? What's been that journey like? Right. You sent me an email and you mentioned this question and I told you that there's really like three stories. There's this guy who grew up in a family of carnival owners that even though I was losing my vision and would eventually be almost totally blind, that I was included in the business, helped grow the business. But when my father died, the business goes out of business and I have to start something brand new of my own, which was a company called the Midway Marketplace where I help people sell surplus amusement equipment. And I had to learn so many things like how to hand code HTML, how to recruit clients, set fees, write ad copy, manage images, record videos, all that stuff in order to create this website and help people who needed help selling their older stuff so they could buy newer stuff or so they could get out of the business. After that, people said, Max, you're inspiring us by all these things you're willing to try and you know, that you just show up and do the next thing that's in front of you. 
So that led to me starting a second website as The Blind Blogger, a name people had hung on me in social media for a couple of years before I finally accepted that role as somebody who could inspire others through his actions. And not everything has been a success. There's been a lot of failures, setbacks, and of course, there's also been a lot of solutions, a lot of it because of people who helped me along the way. But deciding that I was an inspiration led to three books, Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light, It's Not the Cookie, It's the Bag, and The Blind Bloggers, New York City Adventures, public speaking, starting my own podcast called What's Your Excuse? And then there's also this third track where about seven years ago, wanting to get myself out in the world without leaving the house because of transportation issues, I started by doing my first radio show. I was scared to death. The show went horribly. But over the last seven years, I've gone from a frightened radio show guest to a prolific podcast and radio show guest or rock star, if you will, to a guy who now helps other people get exposure by booking them on podcasts and radio shows. And who also coaches people on how to tell their story better. So there's three different tracks and who knows what's going to happen next. I have a lot of people have heard me sing over the years. And one of my favorite songs is The River by Garth Brooks. And there's just something about that song that really speaks to my journey, which is still continuing. Well, it sounds like you do a lot of things that makes you feel uncomfortable, but you do them anyway. What do you find is the thing that has been blocking you before you actually made the decision, you know what, I'm just going to do it anyway? Well, a lot of times things are bad, but you're comfortable with bad as opposed to not wanting to find out things that may be worse. Sometimes it's just you get to the point in the road where you don't really have another choice. You know, when I started the Midway Marketplace, I really didn't have a choice. If I didn't figure out a way to create my first website, nobody else was going to do it. I didn't have the money to hire somebody. I didn't have the confidence in myself to go through the process of hiring somebody if I did have had the money to hire somebody, you know. So a lot of times it's just telling yourself you don't have a choice. Another thing that people have probably heard about is that I've had to improve my health over the years And that started as having a health emergency, having a doctor tell me if I didn't address my health soon, that I wouldn't be around much longer. And that led to being treated for sleep apnea, having gastric surgery, changing my lifestyle as far as what I eat, exercise, sleep, and so many other things. Again, they were changed one small thing at a time. And they were changed because I got to a point where I didn't see that I had a choice. I think I said in my first book, whether you don't have a choice or you just don't think you have a choice, they're both the same thing. And sometimes it's actually better if it's the perception thing. If you see it in your mind as the only option you have to move forward or to stay where you're at is to do something that you don't like, something that's uncomfortable, as you put it. Something that people have asked me a lot is, you know, Max, how do you do these things and why aren't you more scared about them? I tell people this line, it gets me in trouble all the time because people say it's negative. I say I'm not smart enough to be scared. (laughs) And I like it. People laugh at it or they scold me for it. It never goes in between. It's always one way or the other. And and what I come down to thinking about it is it's a childlike approach to things. It's like, I think the best example I can think about it is food. You know how sometimes it's better off if you don't know what's in the dish you're about to eat? (laughs) I think that a lot of times I have done stuff because I just didn't realize yet how big the project was. It was like, okay, here's what I need to do. But instead of thinking about all the stuff I need to do, I thought about, well, what's the thing I need to do the worst and see what I can do about that. And when I built my first website, I asked a lot of stupid questions online. 
events when people said, hey, go to W3C.org and go through their tutorials. And then when you can ask some smart questions, come back and talk to us again. And I did that and I created my first website and it was hideous to look at. Because I was blind, I chose my colors by their names. I chose yellow for the background, blue for the text, red for the links, and orange for the previously clicked links. I'd later find out that the yellow was ice screaming yellow, the blue was dark navy, the red was brick, and the orange was fluorescent orange. And more than once I've been told that Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder could have had an argument over this website. It was so vivid. It was bright. (laughs) It was offensive to look at sometimes. If you want a good laugh, go to archive.org and look up the Midway Marketplace from 2008. But I strongly advise you to wear some sunglasses or not look directly into your monitor. But what I did was I was like, okay, I've been working on the website. This is as good as I can do it right now. And I started thinking, okay, let's try to get some people to list some equipment. Let's get some, see if we can't figure out why people won't open my emails or won't return my phone calls. So I built an email list by offering people free text links on my website. And I grew the list to over 3,000 emails worldwide in the amusement industry. I didn't even know what a lead magnet was. I was just trying to solve a problem of these people think I'm a new kid that they should ignore. What can I do to get them to even open my email? So a lot of times it was really just focusing on one thing and not really knowing how big a thing I was doing. And I often think that a lot of times we'd be better off if we didn't have official names for everything. Because to (laughs) me, creating a lead magnet got a whole lot harder once I knew what the heck one was and why you had to have one. You know, to me, building an email list was a lot easier when I was trying to do was get people to open my emails. And when I recorded my first podcast, I didn't have intro or outro and didn't know how I was going to do that. Once again, I was like, well, what can I do? So I decided to sing on the intro and my first post video went out just before New Year's. And so I opened it by singing some of Nat King Cole's The Christmas Carol. And then I talked for a while and then I posted it and people were like, you know, Max, your voice sounds really good. You ought to do that more to the point where now people, if you go by my YouTube stats, people actually like to hear me sing more than they like to hear me talk. But (laughs) that could just be because of the short attention span and the fact that most people won't watch more than a few minutes of any video, regardless of what's in the video. At least that's what the experts say. Well, Uh, I I just want to take back to your comment that you made about, you know, some people don't like hearing that when you say like it's because, you know, you're just too smart. You're not that smart to realize, you know, how big it is. And I just want to reiterate that point because that's actually one of the things that I've heard from some of these really big people because and having that childlike curiosity, because if you are too smart, that means you would be analyzing and being paralyzed by the analysis and you would never get started. So that's actually a good thing. Well, I'm glad to finally meet somebody who can explain to me why it was a good thing. I'm going to steal your explanation going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. And that's the reality. I mean, if you're too smart, then it means you're actually not going to do anything because you know you know better. You have already analyzed all the ways that things could go wrong. Hence, you'd rather stay where you are. Yeah. And when we analyze things, we never think about how what all could go right. It's always what is going to go wrong. I'm just curious to know, how did you, having a visual impairment, become an Eagle Scout in school? Well, I was part of a troop of scouts in the Houston area that was started by the Bell Telephone Pioneers. 
And the troop was all boys who had some form of visual impairment. And what we found out is that there really wasn't anything in the skill awards or the merit badges that you couldn't figure out a way to meet the requirements of if you wanted to badly enough. And of course, not only did we have our scoutmaster and assistant scoutmaster and the people at Bell Telephone, but you know, those people also had a community of other scoutmasters they could talk to. There's also years of scout projects that, you know, before online, there would be like at the library they could go look at. So we managed to figure it all out. The hardest parts were the were the service projects. I can remember helping my cousin build a bookcase for all the audio cassettes and braille books and large print books for our scout troop. And I was there through the whole process. My main job was I did the sanding. I put the putty in the holes after the nails were driven. And I at least helped with the paint, although they only let me paint the back of it. But, you know, it's just one of those things. If you're part of a good team, and you have people who want to find solutions, there are usually ways you can do it. Now, Eagle Scout is a little different than a lot of other things because there are so many requirements that have to be met. It has to be completed before a guy turns 18. So when you add in the extra time it took, I just barely made it. And a couple of other scouts that were in my troop at the time, both of them came up just a little bit short, and I often wondered if maybe they would eventually decide to give those of us with a vision impairment maybe a few more months or something, but other scouts have done it. Nowadays, you don't have troops specifically for the blind like they did then, and it probably works out for the best because the blind or visually impaired scout can teach so much to the other scouts, and as a result, he has people that he can lean on that can become part of his family and his community. That gives me a nice segue into one of the things that you talk about a lot, which is about getting over your fears and being ready to ask for help and why we need to do more of it. Can you speak more to that? Why is that important? And what are we doing right now that's getting in the way? Right. Well, the one thing we're doing that I think not that we're doing on purpose, but that is happening is that most of the successful people appear to be doing it by themselves. And that's probably not intentional. It's probably not by design, but it would be better if some of the more successful people say like the Kardashians or like the politicians or like some of the sports stars would let you see the people that work with them. One of the things I love about Gary V, Gary Van Urka, uh, Urkot, what is it? Yeah, yeah, okay, like you said, is that more often than not, when you watch his videos, his team are in his videos. They are participating, asking the questions, replying to some of the questions. You know, I really appreciate somebody who's made it, who is an expert and if not one of the top people in his field, but he is not giving the impression that it's all him. And so a lot of times that is the problem is we don't see the people behind the curtain or behind the camera or even people that are managing people's websites. There's a lot of other people that go into somebody having a successful podcast or website. And so that's one thing we could do better is to encourage more people to share their team and let people see who it is that is part of the process that allows them to do what they do. I think that would be very helpful. Just like in Hollywood, they say one of the things that would be helpful is if the body doubles were to start getting screen credit, something along those lines as an example. As far as asking for help, this is one of those places where I have a great advantage over most people because as somebody who grew up knowing 
he was going to be losing his vision, I was told over and over again, never be afraid to ask for help. People are going to want to help you. There's no shame in it. So don't be afraid to do it. Whereas, you know, the other 95% of the world has been raised either directly or by implication to think, well, if I ask for help, I'm weak, I'm stupid, I'm inept, uneducated, and just really, I'm not able if I have to ask other people for help. The really crazy thing is, is that there are so many people out in the world who have experience, talent, skills, they've spent years learning their craft or accumulating knowledge and information, and they're just waiting for somebody to come along and go, hey, I know you know what I'm trying to do here. I really need help. Would you please help me? And you would be surprised how many people there are out there who are waiting for it and craving it because nothing makes you feel better than helping somebody else who can do nothing but say thank you. That's actually a really, really big point because I think that's a point that a lot of us don't do really well in because we do see these big personalities and it looks like a miracle has happened and they're doing so much, but we don't notice it and we don't give enough credit. And so from an ordinary perspective, I guess you look at it and think, oh, you're not doing enough, but you don't see the team behind him or the support system that they have created around them, I guess. And I see this even with my clients or people who are potentially to become clients because they're of the opinion usually Whoever is at the top, they went to the top just by just hustling, grinding and doing everything by themselves. In most of the cases, it's actually not. They've had people, they've had mentors, they've had coaches, they've had other support groups supporting them. But you don't see it because people at the top normally don't give credit to that, not on purpose, but it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And in my last book, when I got to the dedication section, I told people, I said, this is going to sound something like an Academy Award or Grammy acceptance speech, but these people have all been part of the journey, and I'd feel bad if I didn't include them and mention them here so you could know more about them. And, you know, usually whenever I do an interview, I will mention at least one person. For example, Ashley Fox of MadLemmings.com. He's the webmaster who finally got a hold of me and said, you know, Max, I appreciate everything you've done with your first website. You did great for a guy doing it all by himself, he said, but I would really love to help you transfer to WordPress, make this so much more professional looking and make it easier on you going forward. And he totally helped me with that process. You know, my first book that was published, a lady named Lorraine regularly at wordingwell.com. She was my editor. And, you know, sometimes people want to come along on my journey and they do stuff for free. Sometimes they do it for less than what they would usually charge somebody. Sometimes you can exchange services. Sometimes you can exchange promotion like social media marketing for people that need that sort of help. There's all sorts of ways you can get the help, but mm. you have to be willing to ask for it and you have to be willing to accept it when offered. And I'm glad I didn't forget to mention this. Accepting help when offered is like graduate level asking for help because some people are okay if they do the asking, but if somebody comes along and offers to help them without being invited, it's like, what, am, am I weak? Is there something wrong with me? Do I look like I need your help kind of thing? 
So I find that it's a lot harder for people if somebody comes along and says, hey, I notice you're struggling. I'd like to help you. But that's one of those things. As you start asking for help more often, you start asking for opportunities more often, you get a lot more comfortable with that exchange. And when somebody does come along and notices that you need help with something, hopefully you won't be as offended by it. And if it makes people easier with the whole process, it helps if you start growing your network or your community by reaching out to the people you already know and making a stronger relationship with them or introducing yourself to some new people. And one of the things I really love is after I do a podcast interview, if people will go to my website and reach out to me, because as I tell them, yes, I am a consultant and I, I'm always looking for new clients, but you don't have to spend money in order to talk to me. It's not that kind of relationship. And I honestly never know what's going to happen when I meet somebody new. So I, I treasure every time I get an email, you know, even if I look at that and I'm like, uh, but you have to go, what's mm. going to happen when I open this email? You know, you have to get to that point where every time you get up in the morning, you open an email, you get a contact through social media, you have to be expecting the positive. You have to be expecting to meet great people. And if you do those sorts of things, you'll start to build the kind of community that people will offer to help. They'll respond favorably when you do reach out. I think a lot of people will just be surprised when they realize that just how supportive, especially the blogging and podcasting world is. I tell people all the time, if everybody knew how supportive the online community is, that everybody would have a blog or a podcast or both. Well, one of the things that you focus a lot on right now, from what I understand, is helping people share their stories. Why is it important and why is that a passion of yours? Well, it's like I say in my tagline, it doesn't matter how great your story is if nobody ever hears it. And so knowing how much I have affected people by sharing my story, I realize there are a lot of people out there who have never heard my story or who wouldn't be affected by it if they did, because everybody is different. Some people are going to respond to different people, different stories, different language. And so the more people that we can get out here in the world that are sharing their stories, the better off we're all going to be. We all need more inspiration, more motivation, more entertainment, more laughter. And everybody's got a story. Sure, not everybody's going to share their story. And most people don't think their story is important or powerful. And that's one thing I like to make sure I explain to people is don't wait until you feel your story is ready to start sharing it with other people. Because for me personally, I was inspiring people without even knowing it or without understanding it for several years before I finally started sharing my story. And I've been just totally amazed by the reactions I've got from people Sometimes people don't go out of their way to tell you just exactly how you impacted them. But the ones who do, you know, you really feel rewarded for what you're out here doing. And so I like to help people that have great stories to get more exposure. I connect them with hosts of podcasts and radio shows and online magazines. Basically anything online where they can share their story, reach new audiences and grow their passion. It's worked greatly for me in the beginning. I really didn't feel like I had a choice. I live in a suburb of a city in Texas, just outside of Houston. 
they have really good transportation in Houston, but not so much out here. So I was like, how do I meet more people and reach them without leaving the house? And that's where radio shows and podcasts came in. They've worked so well for me. I continue to use them now, even though I'm now also doing public speaking and traveling more. And I just know how much they can help people, especially people who have busy lives, people who work or have a business who don't want to have to take hours or days away from their schedule in order to share their message. Because, I mean, here we are. I'm talking to you. You're in Australia. I'm here in Texas. Basically, I think we're going to spend maybe an hour or hour and a half all together having a conversation. And then both of us can go to whatever it is we need to do next. We don't have to get dressed up if we don't like to. I actually enjoy getting dressed up as part of my routine for most interviews because it gets me into that zone. I take my shower and I put on my clothes and I tie my tie and I put on my headphone and then it's like, whoo, I am ready. You know, so <laughs> me, I like to, but most people, you know, they don't have to. You know, if you want to do your podcast in your pajamas, you can do that. It's perfectly fine, you know. But if you have a business or you lock the door, you turn off all the other electronics for 30 minutes or an hour at the most, usually, and who knows how many hundreds or thousands or even millions will get to hear about your life, your business, your techniques, your methods, and who knows what kind of opportunities may come from it. Well, one thing that you touched on before was that because you started having a visual impairment at an early age, you just reach out for help and people would help you out. And honestly, as you say, like normal people without a disability or any kind of that are not told that we have the straight face and, you know, usually we try to do it all ourselves and we don't ask for help. So it makes me curious to know, are there any other things that you picked up because of that, because of the background you've come from and because of your circumstances, that's actually an advantage now that other people don't have? Well, besides not being afraid to ask for stuff, whether it be help or opportunities, I would say that I'm more open-minded, more receptive to seeing things from the other person's side. Uh, I think I tend to uh, stereotype a whole lot less than the average person does because I meet people first with their voice as opposed to the color of their skin or the size or shape of their body. People have said that I have an intuitive ability to understand not only them, but their goals and dreams. And, you know, I've that one I'm not exactly sure of, but I have heard it said a few times. And my friend Joe Pardo, who is a award-winning podcaster in his own right, he likes to tell people, Max may not be able to see with his eyes, but he opens the eyes of everyone around him. And who knows, maybe the fact that I can't see you lends a little bit of courage to my life that maybe if I could see some of the things that I've been doing or understand them as a person who's as a sighted person would, maybe they would have been more scary. I don't know. <laughs> that probably is actually a good point. <laughs> that may be true. Other than being visually impaired, what other hurdles have you had to go through? I'm sure there's plenty off the top of your head in dealing with business and learning everything. And what kind of things have you had to face like as the big ones that you can think of? I think the biggest one was just realizing how much I was limiting myself and how much more I was or am capable of. I tell people often that when I started, I started by getting a domain name for the Midway Marketplace. It was one small thing that I could do at that time. But I grew up wanting to be a carnival owner. 
I thought that was all that I knew anything about or that, that I could do until it came to the point where I had to find something else. And so over the years, I've realized I can create a website, a blog, a podcast, a YouTube video. I can write books, travel, sing in public, help people with their problems. I can be a guest and share my story. And who knows what else I haven't tried yet. I'm not a thrill seeker, but I enjoy basic traveling and enjoying new foods, new places and new people. But five years ago or even especially 11 years ago, I wouldn't have thought any of this was really possible. So I would say that's the biggest hurdle I've had to get over. I think it's the biggest hurdle a lot of people have to get over is learning how to see yourself as a different person or as a more capable person than you've seen yourself for 20 or 30 years up to that point. That's deep. I like it. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you like it. It is. I mean, that's absolutely true because a lot of people see themselves with the circumstances and the limitations uh, or whatever the beliefs that they have right now. And when you see from that angle, everything looks exactly the same from, you know, what it is today. But if you're ready to see yourself as a different person, I guess that's the first point of doing anything great, I guess. Yes, it is. What would you say is if you had a unique skill set or a superpower that has helped you become successful, what would you say that is? People want to like me and help me. I'm not afraid of being told no. I'm shameless when it comes to asking for things. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very bad at it. I admit it. But one superpower I would say is that I'm just not afraid of being told no. And if being told no doesn't bother you, then there's a lot of things that you can do. You know, and quite often I have pressed that submit or send button on things where at the time I knew I wasn't qualified for them, but I thought, what the heck? And it goes back to something my dad taught me. When my dad was alive, one of my main jobs was to do the bookings for our small carnival. Now we had seven or eight rides and most of our competitors had 15 or 20 or more. In a state like Texas, where if your carnival ain't bigger than your neighbor's festival carnival, you had a bad year. So I would spend a lot of time calling people, trying to get them to book our carnival. And and sometimes I get frustrated. My dad would just go, go ahead, make the next call, because if you don't ask, they can't say yes. And over the years, that has become ingrained in me. And so I will apply. I will send out emails and they can tell me no if they want to. But they can't tell me yes if I don't ask. So I asked. And I think the best example of this is in 2016, I won one of the Amtrak Writers in Residence and used my prize to take a once in a lifetime trip to New York City during the holidays. When I entered that particular competition, I read through the previous winners and I was seeing people who had had plays produced at Summerstock, people had won awards for their books people who had produced short films and I'm reading these people's bios and I'm like, Max, these people are a whole lot more accomplished than you are. And at one point I actually sat there and I was like, I was thinking, you know, this reminds me of that old Sesame Street section where he'd go, which one of these is not like the others. But uh, (laughs) then I read this one comment from a woman who said, I wish that the people in Amtrak weren't only accepting people who were extremely well qualified and prolific because if they weren't I would apply and that made me sad it actually made me angry I was like that is so sad that somebody would see this and decide not to apply and I was like I'm not going to be that person so I sent in my application and they chose me as one of the 24 that year and it was a great experience but I wouldn't qualify 
my writing was great. And apparently they judged more off the writing of the sample than they did off of your past accomplishments. But, you know, nobody had any way of knowing that at the time. So my superpower is not scared of being told no. Or maybe I'm just not scared in general. Hmm, (laughs) I'm going to have to think about that. It's a good, good problem to have, I would say. Yeah. (laughs) Although there are people who know me who would say, you know, Max, every once in a while, you really need to just say no to Max. And there have been a few times when I have gotten myself into trouble because I have decided that I'd rather do something okay now as opposed to waiting until the perfect timing. In fact, last fall, I was in New York to give a talk. I went up there to do three or four different events in different cities. And while I was gone, I got sick. Somehow in New York, I ended up, I'm hoarse. Nobody can understand. My voice cleared up just long enough to make my talk at WordCamp New York City. But the rest of the week, I was hoarse. People couldn't understand me. A couple of cabbies threatened to call the cops on me because they weren't sure what I was saying to them. I ended up broke, sick, and about to be homeless until a couple of friends of mine that I had met online, actually. One of them came forward and provided me a train ticket back home, and the other one came forward and provided me a hotel for the night. And these are people who didn't know me from Adam until I met them through Facebook or LinkedIn and had built a relationship over the previous year or so. So they, they bailed my butt out big time. But every so often, I do get myself into situations where maybe I would have been better off if I had said no. You know, I'll admit that. But... <laughs> I'm one of these people who, to me, everything is an experience, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, it's an experience to be savored and enjoyed. So the fact that I made it home safely is what will feature more than the fact that I almost ended up homeless in New York City. Who knows? That may even make this story better by the time I finish telling it. You never know. Um, (laughs) You know, that's like I say, it's that dilemma, you know. Do I do things now, do them as good as I can do them now instead of waiting till there's a perfect time or until everything is right for me? Or, you know, I go ahead and do them and then I end up in trouble. But a good friend of mine, Lorraine, actually, she said, you know, Max, I don't understand you. You get into more S-H-I-T than anybody I know, but you always find a way out of it. (laughs) But I have friends and family here in Houston who wish I would be a lot more careful. Yeah, of course. I guess everything has two sides to any situation. Yeah, I feel it's important for me to share, honestly, that there have been some bad stuff along with the great stuff. Yeah, of course. Well, what would you say is like the best advice you have received uh, throughout the years? I already mentioned that my dad told me if you don't ask, they can't say yes. I've talked about how you have to ask for help and accept it when offered. I recently read a quote. I think it was from Tallulah, yeah, it was from Tallulah Bankhead, famous actress from the 40s, I think. And they asked her, if you had to live your life over again, would you change anything? And she said, yeah, I would make all my mistakes sooner. So I would say one of the best pieces of advice I've been given is sometimes you don't improve by adding things. Sometimes you improve by removing things. Sometimes you improve by eliminating something that you've been doing forever that's holding you back. For my personal experience, if I had been willing to let our carnival business go out of business three years or four years sooner than it did, or maybe even before then, I have to wonder how much farther along I would be on my journey. So sometimes hanging on to those things that you're comfortable and familiar with and fighting really hard for them. Yeah, it's great to fight that good fight and be determined in perseverance. But sometimes our progress comes when we accept that something is no longer a part of us and move forward. 
It's knowing when to say no, I guess. Knowing when to say it's done. I came up with this expression. You know, there's a people have often said that when a door closes, God will open another door for you. Well, think about this. If you keep trying to hold that door open, you keep trying to keep it from closing behind you, sometimes God will just burn the house down around you. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened with our carnival business. It eventually got to the point where you better go. <laughs> well, for anyone who wants to do something great, do something that looks impossible right now. And maybe they have either a physical disability or maybe they are under certain circumstances that's not in their favor. What would you give as advice to that type of people? I would say do two things every day. One, find at least one small action you can take towards your goal or towards preparing yourself to go after your goal, no matter how insignificant it may seem. With me, 11 years ago, I started by filing for a domain name before I even knew what a website was or how I would build one. The second thing is, is that every day you have to expect to find at least one person, event, or experience that will be positive. Because if you get up looking for them, they are so much more likely to occur. Well, Max, it has been lovely having you on the show. You are a true inspiration and you truly make people ask the question, what's my excuse? So it has been absolutely a sensational conversation. Now for the folks in the audience who would like to get in touch with you and get to know more about you, how can they do that? Right. They can go to theblindblogger.net, theblindblogger.net. They can also find me on Twitter at Maxwell Ivy. And Ivy is I-V-E-Y. And I'm also Maxwell Ivy on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Pinterest. The other thing is, is I do offer a free online course for people to learn how they can share their story and reach wider audiences through podcasts and radio interviews. And they can find the download link for those audios at theblindblogger.net slash rockstar. Great. Thank you so much, Max, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I totally understand that most people who do podcasts, they're not doing it to get rich. They're doing it because they have a passion or because they feel like they have an obligation to help other people share their stories. And so I wouldn't have a place to do what I do without you and people like you. So thank you so much for that. It is my absolute pleasure. That is the fascinating story of Maxwell Ivy. And if you would like to become a radio rock star, make sure to go and check out and download his free course. And the link will be posted on show notes at vindiav.com along with all the golden nuggets that we covered as always. And until I meet you next time, keep at it in your extraordinary journey.